Back to my burns. This is burn lecture number eight. Don't you know that you're toxic? Chemical burns. So in emergency medicine, we see so many different things. And chemical burns, we can see a whole range of chemicals from benign to very severe types of burns. And luckily for us, you don't have to know every single chemical composition. Get those nerds! Nerds! I want to give you one tip that I've learned along the way as far as chemical burns, especially any kind of industrial type exposure, is you're going to get your history. So it's going to be the same. What were they exposed to? Contact time. But you need to get the MSDS sheet. So that's material safety data sheets. That's going to tell you what the chemical was because it may be super awesome rust remover, but I don't know what's in that. And then it's going to tell you the first aid exposure, whether it's swallowed, contact, eye burns, inhalation injury, that kind of thing. I actually carry business cards in the emergency department for this reason because they have my email and I've had a whole lot of success giving patients or their family or their employer my business card and saying, hey, can you just email this sheet? And I've had really, really great success getting a hold of that MSDS sheet to really guide our treatment appropriately. So that's one real-life tip that you can use today in your ER. As far as chemical burns in general, the initial thing that you want to do is get that chemical off. So if it's dry, keep it dry, brush it off. If it's wet, wash it off. Use regular old water and use a lot of it. So we tend to see a lot of concrete burns here, which require a lot, a lot, a lot of irrigation, usually in our tub room. The one exception to this is if you have any kind of molten metals or tire, you're going to want to use mineral oils to get those off because they're not going to come off with standard measures. And then there's also the concern of combustion if exposed to water. This is mainly anecdotal. And again, I'm not going to go into individual chemicals with the exception of two. But in general, if it's dry, brush it off. If it's wet, wash it off. And then metals or tar use mineral oils. Other first aid pre-hospital measures are very similar. You want to establish your ABCs early, get some good IV access depending on what's going on, and control any further exposure. I'm going to cover one type of burn that we see fairly frequently in our burn unit and receive a fair number of transfers for, which is actually hydrofluoric acid. And this is found in etching cleaners and rust removers. So a lot of the history that I've had with somebody that was cleaning horseshoes, uh, hubcaps, different industrial uses. And this is very important to get the MSDS sheet to find out that does this really have hydrofluoric acid? Because there are a lot of other acids that can be used in cleaning that do not have the same risk factors and same consequences as hydrofluoric acid. So it's something that's very important to make sure that you get a hold of that MSDS sheet. And the way this stuff works is that hydrogens cause the direct burns and then you get fluoride, which is that negative ionic charge that binds calcium and magnesium in your body. And you're basically going to have pain and these are very, very painful burns. And this is another one where you get a little bit more extensive damage than what you see to the eye. You're going to have pain until all the fluoride is neutralized. So that's what's causing the pain. Ouch. And this can cause also 
other severe electrolyte abnormalities, low magnesium, low calcium, and hyperkalemia. So that's what makes these actually more dangerous. So there's extensive tissue damage and very specific treatment, but these can also cause serious electrolyte derangements. So that's why this should really be on your radar. Your initial treatment for this is actually going to be irrigation with water. You want to get all of that chemical off. If the concentration of the hydrofluoric acid is less than 20% and it's a very short exposure time, you may be able to avoid any kind of calcium. But if it is a higher concentration or a more extensive burn, the next thing that you're going to use is calcium gluconate. And we actually have this as a gel. Uh, some patients who have been exposed to this before actually have had them come in with their own calcium gluconate gel by prescription. But you're basically going to put this on the exposed area. And a lot of times for me, this has been the hands because people who are working with this kind of chemical cleaning get a hand exposure. And what I use is I actually put this in either an extra large glove, just the regular gloves that you find in the hospital. I just kind of fill the glove uh, with some of the calcium gluconate gel and have them put their hand in. Sometimes people complain that this is too tight and too much pressure. So you can also use those biohazard Ziploc bags that people transport things to the lab in. Again, putting the gel in, just kind of spreading it all over, and then changing it every 15 to 20 minutes until they're pain-free. This generally will work for most of your exposures. If this isn't working and they're still having significant pain when you're treating them with the calcium, then you may need to go to IV or intraarterial calcium. As you're doing this, you want to make sure to check your electrolytes as well as an EKG. The electrolytes include an ionized calcium and a magnesium and potassium with some renal function. If you have to go to the IV calcium while you're doing this, so let's say the glove changing or you know applying multiple topical applications hasn't worked, then you're going to go to an IV calcium, 1 ml of 5% calcium per square centimeter burned. If you need to go intraarterial again, that's usually done at a burn center, and we have a protocol here that is managed by the attending burn surgeon. Lastly, if you have some sort of inhalation injury from hydrofluoric acid, you can actually nebulize calcium if needed to help treat their symptoms. And again, you generally treat these people with whatever method you're using until they're pain-free, which again has meant that you bound up all of their fluoride. One other kind of category that I will cover is alcohol burns. These are worse than they look, and they need a very long irrigation time. These are found commonly in cleaners, and then concrete is actually the burn that I've seen the most from alkali burn, and usually somebody's kneeling. So usually this is a bilateral knee or upper extremity injury. They're working. They're not noticing. They've got this concrete um, kind of drying on whatever surface they're exposed to. And then a few hours later, they start getting significant, significant pain. And that's generally when they present to the emergency department. Once they present with these burns, you're going to want to irrigate them really, really, really well until all the concrete and all that powder concrete is off. And then these are burns that we generally have to watch for a few days afterwards because, again, you can get a more extensive injury than what you're seeing on the surface so that's your typical alkali burn. If any of these burns involve the eye, make sure to get ophthalmology involved very early. Sometimes there's specific intraocular type treatments that they can do. Uh, and make sure, again, that 
with this irrigation if they had any kind of eye exposure that you're irrigating the eyes as well. So just to sum up kind of what we covered in chemical injury, if it's dry, brush it off. If it's wet, wash it off. We've covered hydrofluoric acid. This is, again, a problem primarily because the fluoride binds calcium and magnesium and can cause electrical injury and significant pain. The specific treatment for this is calcium. And then alkali burns. Make sure you have a long irrigation time and you watch them because, again, the injuries can be much more serious than initially on presentation. 